Welcome to Pop Culture Rx, part of Hackensack Meridian Health's award-winning podcast. Pop Culture Rx is where we sit down with a medical expert and talk through various health-related topics circulating in today's media. In our discussions, you'll hear from a variety of professionals sharing insight and advice on these newsworthy conditions. This is Pop Culture Rx. In July, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills alum Teddy Mellencamp experienced an episode of vertigo in the middle of the night, which resulted in her taking a scary tumble and suffering some minor injuries to her face. Today I'm here with Dr. Virginia Toth, the manager of audiology, tinnitus, and balance programs at JFK Johnson Rehabilitation Institute. Thanks for being here, Dr. Toth. Thanks for having me. So let's dive into this topic. What even is vertigo? Is it the same thing as dizziness or is it something completely different? Well, um, true vertigo is generally a feeling that either the environment is spinning around you or you're spinning. Sort of like when you're on a merry-go-round and the world moves around you. Um, It can happen whether you are stationary or standing still and not moving or while you are moving. Um, It's very interesting because um, Oftentimes people want to know, is dizziness and vertigo the same thing? Um, Dizziness is basically a term that is used loosely. It's like a catch-all term that can mean anything depending on what the person is feeling. So for example, it can be used to describe a feeling of off-balance when the person feels like they are being pulled to one side, or it can mean a feeling of lightheadedness from low blood pressure or a rocking sensation. Overall, it generally means an abnormal sense of motion. Okay, so is there anything that might cause this, like maybe standing up too fast or or something else? There are lots of different causes of, of, let's say, vertigo um, or true vertigo. But just a couple of facts um, for the audience. There's 90 million Americans that go to healthcare providers because of vertigo, dizziness, or balance problems. It's the second most common complaint heard in doctor's offices. Um, Nearly 20% of Americans 65 to 75 years of age currently have a balance disorder with that number increasing to 25% by age 75. And lastly, falls as a result of vertigo or dizziness are the leading cause of injury deaths among people over 65. So it's a very common um, complaint of people as we get a little older. Um, So so there's lots of different... um, Well, let me just back up a little bit because I think it's important for people to understand that vertigo, dizziness, that's basically a symptom. Mm -hmm. It's not a disease. So oftentimes when I see people in our office at the audiology program at JFK, people will say, um, I'll say, well, what did the doctor diagnose you with? And they'll say, they diagnosed me with vertigo. It's like, no, that's the symptom that you had. What was the cause of the vertigo? Similar to sort of like when um, someone has a cough. You can have a cough because you have a cold, or you can have a cough because you have um, lung cancer. So the cough is just the symptom. So you need to find out what the underlying disease is that's causing the vertigo. Um, Vertigo can have many different causes that can't always be diagnosed with one visit or with one trip to the emergency department. You know, oftentimes diagnostic testing, um, which is completed at the Center for Audiology, is Mm -hmm. required to assist with the actual diagnosis causing the vertigo. So to answer your question, there's many different causes of vertigo. Generally, um, when someone experiences vertigo, it's usually stemming from uh, difficulties from the ear or problems with the ear or with the brain. So dive into that a little bit. What could be going on in the ear that 
causes you to, to feel this way? Well, it's very interesting because generally the testing that we do at the Center for Audiology usually helps to, it doesn't tell the doctor what is causing the, di- the dizziness or the vertigo, but it can it can differentiate between whether it's coming from the ear or whether it's coming from the brain. What we call is peripheral, meaning the ear, or central, the brain. Um, the most common cause of vertigo is what we call benign proximal positional vertigo, or the acronym BPPV. Um, this type of disorder creates an intense, brief sense that you are spinning or moving when you move your head in a different plane. And what do I mean by that? For example, turning in bed or placing your head back into the sink to have your hair washed at a salon. And that's oftentimes what women will complain about. They'll say, when I go to the salon, I cannot put my head back to have the, um, the beautician yeah, um, wash, wash my hair. hair, wash my hair. And what happens with that is they, you put your head back and this immediate flood of spinning comes on and then it slowly decays it goes away so what might cause that is there well the most common cause of bppv is um, a minor blow to the head Okay. And, and it's interesting because why would that cause bppv well if you think about the anatomy of the ear in each of the ears on opposite sides of the head, there are, you have these little crystals that sort of hold on to the, the inner ear in each ear. And what happens is when, and they keep you in balance, sort of like if I think about if I'm in a boat, a rowboat, and there's a motor behind me and I've got a string on either side. And if I hold the same amount of tension on either, either side, it's gonna keep the boat moving forward. And that's the same thing with the crystals. The crystals have to be balanced on each side, which keeps us moving forward. However, if for some reason, maybe from a blow to a head, the crystals get knocked off, that's going to sort of be like letting go one string in the motorboat, where you start to veer off and you get, or you get very dizzy from the crystals. So when the crystals are shaken loose for, for whatever the reason, that's when as soon as you move your head, the crystals sort of slide where they're not supposed to be, and that's when you get that intense vertigo. Is there a way that you're able to manipulate maybe the head to get those crystals a- back absolutely. together? Absolutely. So even though the, the the benign proximal positional vertigo is a very scary diagnosis, it's actually the easiest diagnosis to, to, um, to habilitate or to fix. And, and what happens is that, um, you know, you, you do what's called a manu- well first of all let me back up in order to diagnose that you have BPPV there's something called the uh, Dix Hallpike maneuver and that's a maneuver that a doctor will do in his office um, and while he's looking at your eyes or an audiologist does while she's doing diagnostic testing she'll put a set of goggles on your eyes and she moves you into that position which brings on the symptoms which patients get very oh no don't do that you're making mm-hmm. me making me so dizzy I can't do this but we want you to do that because that's going to be so important in the diagnosis of BPPV. So if we put you back and you start to get you start to get dizzy, we can pretty much say yes, it is BPPV. And then depending on the type of dizziness you present, we can determine in what um, in what plane it's going to be in, or what canal, because you've got a horizontal canal, a vertical canal, and a posterior and a horizontal, a vertical, and an anterior canal. And those are the canals that kick into motion depending on where you're moving your head. So any one of those canals can have the crystals move off of them. So you diagnose the uh, the disorder, let's say, through this 
the, through this maneuver called the Dix Hall Pipe Maneuver. And then once that's diagnosed, then the patient can be sent to either a physical therapist, an audiologist, or a physician to be to do a, an Epley maneuver. And the goal of the Epley, Epley maneuver is basically just to get those crystals back where they belong. And once you can get those crystals back where you belong, people, it's like an aha theory. It's like, oh my God, my dizziness is completely gone. And I think the most upsetting thing is, is that so many patients, especially the elderly, the women will go for years saying, oh no, I can't put my head down. And, and we know as soon as they say this to us, oh, she's got BPPV, mm-hmm. you know, and it's such an easy disorder to treat and to get rid of. Um, it's so commonplace. Um, the name is very scary, but the treatment is really very easy. And so once you have this treatment, would you have a higher risk of, of the crystals falling out again? Unfortunately, you do have a little bit of a higher risk, but it's not necessarily significant. Oh, well, that's good. Mm-hmm. And at least you know how to fix it. Yes. So since vertigo, vertigo has something slightly to do with your ears and your balance, when someone has vertigo, do they also have trouble with their overall balance? You know, it depends on what the cause is. I mean, we only touched on one cause of, um, of vertigo. There's several other things that can cause vertigo. Um, and depending on what the cause is, it can come with a whole host of um um, symptoms. So the BPPV, generally, you're just going to get the intense, in, the intense um, vertigo. Mm-hmm. Usually, nothing else comes along with that if it's just BPPV by itself. But another cause of vertigo um, is a disease called Meniere's disease, and this occurs when there's an excessive amount of fluid that builds up in the inner ear, and usually this occurs only in one ear. Um, and this results in sudden episodes of vertigo. But with this particular disease, um, these episodes sometimes are associated with sudden decrease in hearing, tinnitus or noises in the ear or the head, and a feeling of oral fullness as well as nausea. So depending on what the cause is, you can have a whole host of different symptoms that comes along with it. Mm-hmm. And for something like Meniere's, there, at this time there is no known cure for Meniere's disease, but with medication the symptoms can be managed. So you mentioned already two causes. Are there any others? Oh, absolutely. Um, another cause is um, a, a benign growth or a non-cancerous growth on the auditory nerve called an acoustic schwannoma, another very scary word. Um, this usually presents itself with episodes of vertigo or spinning. Sometimes it can be associated with tinnitus and at times hearing loss. Um, if there's a suspicion of an acoustic um, schwannoma, an MRI is usually recommended by the medical professional. Okay, so that's three things that could cause just vertigo itself. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, let me just back up, um, the treatment, though, for Meniere's disease, for um, an acoustic schwannoma, sometimes what will happen is if that's identified on a, an MRI, depending on the size of it. Sometimes if it's very small, the doctor's just going to monitor it. He may just have you do MRIs every six months or every year. Um, but if the, if the acoustic is very large and it starts impinging on other nerves that are very close to the auditory nerve, let's say the facial nerve, maybe if the patient is starting to experience, you know, numbness in their, in their face or paralysis, that's when the doctor may go in and remove the growth. So at what point do we say, okay, I have vertigo and I need to see a doctor? I, I think that, um, 
at any point when you're starting to experience severe episodes of vertigo, it's very important to um, to call your primary care physician immediately, especially if you have any underlying health conditions. Because even though something like BPPV, even though it's so intense and it makes you feel like, oh my God, I get to get to the ED right away, that is not something that is life-threatening. Um, Meniere's disease is not something that's life-threatening. Um, a, a, an acoustic schwannoma is not life-threatening in, at the, in the moment. But there are other causes that can be life-threatening that you really have to be seen at the ED. And you have no idea what they are when this, these episodes are coming on board. Um, you know, some of these other causes that can be more life-threatening and much more serious in the moment can be cerebral vascular disorders or strokes, um, cerebellar disease, multiple sclerosis, or any um, neurodegenerative d diseases, um, some medications, or even psychiatric disorders that can bring on an intense feeling of vertigo that needs immediate medical attention. But the doctor, generally the doctors will um, point you in the direction of whether, whether or not you need to go to the, the ED. I think the safe bet is to go to the ED. So Teddy mentions that the vertigo could be something lingering from her COVID-19 symptoms. Do you think there's any truth in that? You know, um, you know, being in the healthcare profession, I think it's very important to make sure that we have science behind anything that we suggest. I, I think it's much too early. I, I don't know that there's enough studies out there right now that have linked the two, but certainly in our um, center, we are seeing patients. And I think in the next few months, next few years, I would not be surprised if we start to see studies that are coming out, coming out that are link, linking long-term, um, long-hauler symptoms like vertigo, like tinnitus, like hearing loss um, to COVID. Um, so anecdotally, we're seeing those patients in the office, but we're not necessarily, we don't necessarily have the strong science behind it to support it. But I, I think, I think that's going to be coming do you think besides, you know, having COVID-19, are there any other risk factors that people might see vertigo more often in? Um, let's see, risk factors for, certainly if there's a family history, let's say of, of Meniere's disease, um, if let's say someone is involved in a sport that involves the rapid head movement, I oftentimes when I watch um, anything that involves the head moving around very quickly, I get concerned, and that's the first thing that comes to mind is, oh, they're knocking those crystals off, and they're <laughs> going to have BPPV. Um, but I don't know necessarily that there are that many risk factors, other than the risk factors that are associated with some of these other more serious conditions we talked about, like a stroke or cerebellar disease or multiple mm -hmm. sclerosis. Okay, that's great. Is there an age group that experiences vertigo that's more common than others? I think we talked about right at the beginning when we talked about um, the percentage of people that go to the doctors. Mm -hmm. I think in the elderly, you're, you're going to see that a little bit more often. We are 20% of Americans age 65 to 75 of age have a balance disorder, and 90 million people go to the healthcare providers be because of vertigo. So I think you are going to see um, the elderly population have more of a propensity to experience these things. Yeah, an older, an older generation. Yes. Mm -hmm. I actually read something, and it was that people that are experiencing vertigo should avoid foods that are rich in sodium. Well, you know, that's um, it's very interesting because I think diet does play a, a, 
a huge role. So when you talk about sodium, you go back to the cause that we talked about, which is um, Meniere's disease. So if you think about it, Meniere's disease is an abnormal amount of fluid buildup in the inner ear. So if we go back to our example of the rowboat with the two with the two um, um, ropes mm -hmm. on either side, if you have too much if you have too much fluid in one ear, the, the ear, you're gonna feel off balance. So when you start to have a diet high in sodium, and sodium is something that helps you retain water, that, I, again, I don't know that there's any scientific data to support that, but I know that if there's too much sodium in the diet, it increases the amount of uh, fluid in your body, which could increase the symptoms of, of uh, Meniere's disease. Wow. So we talked a little bit about different treatments. So per BPV, mm -hmm. we talked about the, the maneuver. Yeah. And then we also talked about medications. Is there anything someone could do if they felt, you know, dizzy or had vertigo in the moment that they can do to kind of alleviate You know, there's symptoms? not too much that can be done, like, in the moment. It depends on really what it is. I, I, I think it's very important for people to be safe. And so for this Teddy um, um celebrity what happened was she likely you know got up in the middle of the night and if it was something which was the vestibular system which is the balance system you know if the, there was something wrong with the vestibular system or the balance system she needs other things to help her maintain her balance her eyesight okay so the eyes help to maintain the balance so if she got up in the middle of the night and it was dark she may have gotten disoriented. She didn't have her vision to help manage where she was at. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing when you're talking about elderly people. Um, you know, your your balance is maintained from your vestibular system, which is in your inner ear. The sense is underneath your feet, okay, your proprioception, and your vision. So those are three things that help you maintain your balance. If you get up in the middle of the night, let's say, and you have to use the bathroom, mm -hmm. um, basically the lights are off, so you don't have your vision. You're walking on a high-piled carpet, so your proprioceptive cues underneath your feet aren't where they need to be. So the last thing you're relying on to, to maintain your balance is your vestibular system. If your vestibular system is impaired, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to fall. Yep. So one of the things we suggest in that respect is to make sure that people put a nightlight on something that at least they have their vision, especially if there's a high pile of carpet and there's a concern that there, um, you know, that there might be something vestibular going on. Wow. Yeah. So she might have. It might have been very dark in the room when she got in, got out. Let me go back to the question you had about the sodium because mm -hmm. diet is very interesting because one of the causes that we didn't talk about was vestibular migraines. And um, people often talk about um, migraines as headaches. And you can actually have several different types of migraines. You can have a migraine basically is an unexplained neurological event. And you can have a migraine, um, a headache that causes you to have headaches. You also can have a visual migraine, which causes you to have flashing lights. I know um, I'm not one that suffers from migraines, but probably about two or three years ago, I remember um, my right eye, it was almost like a Disney um, fantasia where there was a whole spread of like star, I, I think that might have been stars, uh, spread in my right eye outside my peripheral vision, and I was diagnosed with a visual migraine. So that's what a visual migraine would do. You also have what's called vestibular migraines or migraines of the balance system. So um, somebody could basically, one of the symptoms you're going to have, you may not get a headache or these visual flashes, but you may get some vertigo or dizziness.
And so oftentimes when someone suffers from a, a, a vestibular migraine, you know, we oftentimes, the doctors will oftentimes prescribe medication, but what they also may suggest is watching the foods that can trigger migraines. You know, anything that may trigger migraines, alcohol, uh, cheeses. And, and so when you talk about diet, there are definitely dietary, you know, foods that trigger migraines that you can be conscious of. Would so, sodium be one of them? Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. stay away from alcohol, anything <laughs> sodium, anything cheese. Yep. What can well, you I, eat? Well, the thing is, I always like to think any think anything in moderation. So I, it's a lot of people go on these strict diets, and, and they still have these difficulties. I, I think as long as you're not overdoing it, um, but certainly if you're someone that likes to take it to that degree, uh, and it's a healthy choice, I, I don't see anything wrong with that. So um, we talked about Meniere's disease. We mm-hmm. talked about BPPV. We talked about an acoustic schwannoma. We talked about vestibular migraines. Um, also, um, one of the other things we can talk about is infection. Sometimes patients can have um, what's called a vestibular neuronitis, which again is an infection of the vestibular system. And that's what puts people in the emergency room immediately. I mean, that is intense, intense spinning, that they have nausea and emesis or vomiting. I mean, that's intense. And, and there's not too much, the only thing you can treat that with after they've ruled out anything more serious is really just making sure the patient's hydrated properly and, um, and medication to help get rid of the symptoms. And eventually the infection goes away. Um, so that's infection that can cause the vertigo. Another one is... Um, head injury or concussions. Um, you know, head injury and or concussions can cause a recurrent vertigo that's difficult to treat due to the complicated nature of the brain injury. You know, as soon as you hit your head, um, all bets are off. There's a multitude of different symptoms that can occur as a result of hitting the head. Usually medical care is, is focused on trying to s- treat some of the symptoms that you get as a result of having a head injury. Um, and it's not an easy thing to treat be- because the brain is very complicated and, and there are not a lot of tests sometimes that can actually pull that out. And you mentioned infection. Is there any risk in getting those types of infections more so than another one? Not really. It's, it's very interesting because this type of infection we're talking about is an infection that... Um, that hits the inner ear, the inner ear where the balance system is. You know, people shouldn't confuse it with with children that have middle ear infections. You know, middle ear infections are, you know, colds that go unresolved, and and generally if you leave it alone for a period of time, the the infection will go away. Um, The only thing that happens when a child has a middle ear infection with a fluid buildup is is they may have a little bit of hearing loss, maybe feel a little congested, but they're not going to get those intense dizziness or vertigo. The infection I'm talking about is really an infection of the inner ear, which hits hits and sticks onto the um, into the balance system. But in terms of a risk factor or anything that can, makes us more subjective to this, it's it, you, you just get sick and you get you get the flu or you get an intense cold or something mm-hmm. that can travel and, and cause it to you to have an, an infection of the inner ear. Wow. And we were talking a little bit about concussion. I feel like, especially with kids' sports starting now Mm -hmm. and things like that, is that something you guys gear up for? You know, it's very interesting because we just had a wonderful, um, you know, workshop that was completed by Dr. Christine Grease um, of the JFK Johnson Rehabilitation um, Head Injury Program, and and she gave us so much information about concussions and, 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 
the schools and some of the tests they try to do for the children before the children engage in sports. Um, and, and we are, we're gearing up for it because concussion's a, a very serious um, concern among, among children doing sports that can involve um, head injury. Oh, for sure. It, it's a little scary. Very scary. scarier now than ever. Mm-hmm. Not because we know more about it. We know more about it now. Um, I think before we didn't know any better. And do you find that maybe a child that played football in the past is coming in later in life with with vertigo symptoms? Um, I haven't really experienced that. I I, I have seen um, young adults come in. You know, I just happened to see a patient today that has experienced, had experienced several different um, concussions over the period of maybe six or seven years that is, is, has an impact, a long-lasting impact on some auditory symptoms that he's, he's having. So um, hitting the head is a pretty serious thing. Absolutely. And we actually talked to, to Dr. Grease um, She's wonderful. about headaches and things like that before. She's your gal. Is there anything else you'd want to share about, about vertigo um, that you, people might want to know? I think that generally people have to understand when the, the, I think overall when we get sick, we like going to the doctor and the doctor saying, this is what you have, this is what you need to do, and then you move on and you're done with the doctor. Because vertigo can be such a complicated symptom and there's so many different causes, it's likely that the doctor may have to um, write a prescription for diagnostic tests. If there's nothing that's pointing to a very obvious diagnosis, the doctor may need you to go and have some testing done. And so it can be a little frustrating because, again, you have these symptoms. You're hoping the doctor's going to say, oh, this is what you have. But oftentimes um, it, it's a combination of different tests that the doctor's got to look at, blood work, um, balance testing that we do at the Center for Audiology, um, you know, physical examination, case history. There's a lot of different components to coming up with a um, the correct diagnosis. And you also mentioned that there's a lot of different components to not only the correct diagnosis, but the treatment. Absolutely. And so you want to make sure, I know when we do our um, Dix Hall Pike maneuver during our video nystagmography, we it's very important for us when we diagnose BPPV to make sure we get the correct canal because when you talk about doing the Epley maneuver which is the treatment for the BPPV you need to make sure there's different maneuvers for different canals and you can diagnose BPPV but if you're doing one maneuver that's for the horizontal canal and it's really the posterior canal that the problem is in with the crystals then you're not going to see any benefit from the, from, from the treatment so, so it's very yeah. important which is probably why you have a lot of patients that are like, oh, no, it didn't work for me mm-hmm. and, and things like that because they may have just been treating the wrong That's canal. right. So that's why when we review all these cases um, in our team rounds every, every week that we need to make sure that we get the canal correct so that the treatment is done properly. Well, thanks so much for being with us here today. Well, thank Dr. you so much. If you have a topic you'd like for us to cover, submit your ideas on hmh4u.org backslash podcast. Your suggestion could be included in the You Ask For It special episodes. The material provided through this Help You podcast is intended to be used as general information only and should not replace the advice of your physician. Always consult your physician for individual care.